0: there podcast listeners welcome to Chris and Tom's youth group podcast the podcast where two youth group leaders try to figure out how to do youth group better my name is Chris Morphew I'm an author youth group leader and school chaplain here in Sydney Australia and as always joining me from Melbourne is author speaker youth leader and according to one of my youth just Chris Morphew in a different font Tom (laughs) French how you doing Tom
1: I'm well thank you Chris how are you
0: um, I have never felt so deeply seen as when that comparison was made on Friday night.
1: That was very good. I liked that.
0: I I feel like <laughs> she looks deep within both of our souls and went, yep, same one twice. <laughs> By the way, happy um, birthday, Tom. Um, uh, thank
1: you. Thank you very much. Almost happy let the episode too.
0: get away with us without um, marking a significant occasion, but it yeah. is... Our twenty ninth podcast birthday.
1: We're gonna have a crisis next one when we hit thirty.
0: Oh my goodness, aren't we? What is the um? How long have podcasts been a medium? Because <laughs> I feel like we've we've almost um had more birthdays than there have been years of the existence of podcasting oh, as I a form of communication.
1: My friend and I made a podcast uh, back in the day which was, I think, the year 2000 and I'm going to say four or five. What was it called? Because I feel like
0: I listened to it. Uh, Was it you and
1: Howie? Yeah, Howie and Tom's podcast or something like that. It was dumb. And if anyone could find any of the episodes now, I would probably lose my job. So I'm pleased that they're not on the internet as far as I know. (laughs)
0: yeah i fear for this generation who just have everything up on the internet because i sure am glad that that is not what happened to me um i feel like as a child though i was recording what would have been podcasts had we had the means of distribution but were actually just my cousins and i around a cassette recorder so yeah i
1: did that did you make i made radio programs so i would yeah 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 and then i'd play play, like i'd recorded tape track onto another tape and then they're like that was the song and then i'd talk some more and then I'd play the next song it was great oh we
0: used to like switch over to the radio um, oh right and say now here's this song and we'd make up a band name and a and a song and then we just switch <laughs> over to whatever was playing um, and there's a story i probably don't have time now to tell but um there was a a song that we found and loved and lost, and so began a decades-long search for the song that we accidentally picked up on a foreign radio station. (laughs) And uh, anyway, story for another day, um, because I think we have a lot to talk about, Tom. We We might get started and find out that we actually don't, but my feeling is that we have a lot to unpack, because for the first time in the... 29 birthday history of this podcast you and i went to youth group in the same place at the same time tom
1: yeah was it was it the first time ever in our ever history like have we ever done youth group together
0: no i mean the closest is that you have come and spoken at a camp at my school yeah. and so that felt that was you and i and youth and you teaching them and me teaching them so it was yep. all of the elements except the raucousness of an actual youth group scenario. (laughs) Or in this case, uh, 16 youth groups joining forces to... Wasn't it raucous? um, Very raucous effect. Um, So, yes, it was last Friday, uh, the Inner West Youth Event, where 16 youth groups from around the Inner West of Sydney all got together at Meriden School, and we had uh, singing games, teaching, prayer, all of the the key elements of oh, and snacks, key and elements of youth group and testimonies. Um just on a stage in front of lots of people all together. Um and Tom French, friend of the podcast, well, I guess host <laughs> of the podcast, very good friend of the podcast, <laughs> Tom French was our speaker. It was very exciting. Um yeah, did you have a good time?
1: I did. I had a very good time. It was it was a lot of a lot of fun. It's not it's been a long time since I've been in a room with that many many teenagers. We don't get events that big in Melbourne. That's not a thing. I mean you well, can turn it, up to a school and there's that many teenagers there, but mm. not a not a youth event.
0: Well, this is new for us as well. I mean, so like, you know, we've got kick, which is of like thousands of people but in terms of like a friday night thing this is the second time we've run it the first time was uh here at my school which is where i'm broadcasting from now so um anyone comes in and asks me for a key or where the toilets are it's because i'm recording from my office which is right (laughs) behind the front desk um but it is sufficiently (laughs) late in the afternoon that i think we're in the in the clear um but yeah so we had our first one uh Last year, and there were maybe I want to say three or four hundred mm. kids, slash youth, slash leaders who came. Good and man. this year, we were expecting 500 and got apparently closer to 600. So that was, yeah, very exciting. That's um, beef. and the and the youth were, as you said, incredibly raucous. How did that compare to uh, your soul survivor talk that you felt getting away from you? <laughs>
1: Um, it felt, uh, it felt definitely more raucous than the Soul, Soul Survivor talk. Mm. Um, like there was, there was a lot more energy in the room. Um, cause it was, you know, Friday night, everyone's there together. They're pretty hyped up, but it did, it felt less, it, I felt more in control of the situation, uh, when I was speaking than at the Soul Survivor event, like people, There was there was a bit less kind of heckling going on from Mm. the crowd. Or like there was a lot more response, but everyone was responding all at once, all at the same time. So I couldn't kinda kinda interact with it as well as Did you get a recording of the talk? I just recorded it on my phone just so that I had it, but I don't Mm. it's not a good recording. Like you can't you you wouldn't put it on a podcast,
0: say. I see. Because I I should say for our listeners, which I suspect our listeners are about fifty percent people who were there on the night, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I felt like your talk, among other things, was a masterclass in crowd control. Um, just the little <laughs> things that I noticed you doing, you know, when because you have an ability that few speakers that I am aware of have, which is the the ability to pivot from a completely like insane anecdote that has (laughs) the audience in like hysterics and cheers and giggles and all talking to each other and then make this hairpin bend and make a really serious point and have the audience hang in there with you on on both of those things like that tonal shift is really hard to master. And I think you do it really well. Um, and, and part of it I think is just like knowing when to pause, you know, and there were times where I could see you visibly going, I'm just going to give everyone a moment to realize that it's time to settle down so that I can make the point that (laughs) all of that, um, insanity was innate of. So yeah, Yeah, that was great.
1: There's a bit of a bit of standing around, kind of trying to feel what's what's going on in the in the the group, so that you there there is like this magic point. I don't. I, it's instinct. I think more than like, I don't think I could teach it. Or maybe I could if I thought about it more. But it's like there is this tipping point where they're responding to whatever you've just said. So, for instance. One of my illustrations on the night was talking about a time when I wanted to ask a girl out but accidentally vomited all over myself in the car that I was driving. <laughs> she was not in the car with me, just to make that clear. Um, which was an insane story, as you say. Um, and there's quite a response there. Um and then you've got to wait long enough that they've gone, oh, okay, yep, I've responded enough, but not long enough that they can start a new con- conversation. Mm. And then you listen for that, you know, things to die down just a little bit, and then you start talking again. I think partly because if they've had a good time listening to the story, they want to hear what comes next. And mm. also there's a bit of a payoff in that because you say, what does this insane story actually have to do with the Bible? And every now and again, I'll do a illustration that's, uh, in like that, like it's too long a bow that people go. No, nah, that was too much, and then you get a kind of a reaction to that didn't really connect properly. But even mm. that kind of is fun because they're trying to make the connection themselves, and then, and then you can kind of play off that when you realize that people have gone. Oh no, nah, that didn't work, and you're like, well, you know, mm. we'll see how we go.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think that like so much of um effective communication i think is like riding those lines like you've really got to like thread the needle between because i also think like the way you tell a story like that you want to turn the dials up enough that people connect with it and react strongly to it but you don't want to turn it up so far that the whole auditorium descends into chaos and you you can't (laughs) get them back in time to say the actually important part it reminds me of this piece of wisdom that i heard about like emotionally connecting with your audience and apparently what wise people have figured out is that when you are communicating something sad or heartfelt or whatever and it brings you like just to the point before tears you draw the audience in but if you actually start crying on stage you like heighten the distance again because people are taken out of whatever you're saying and be like oh Mm. are they okay like that oh they're (laughs) they're crying in front of people that's like that you know and so it becomes about what you're doing up there it's about your emotional response rather than letting them empathize and have their own emotional response i don't you know Mm. it just reminded me of the same thing when it comes to telling a a wild story there's a point where it's too much and it overshadows what you're doing and i think different people's mileage may vary on where they think that point is um because i suspect that you know there are some people who um you know would not devote as much time as maybe you or i would and i think you do it more so even than i do to like storytelling but i actually think those stories are so valuable that even though um you are not like you're adding a lot of minutes you know like you're using up a lot of your minutes on something that is not like exegeting the text yeah then when you you pivot and you do start um, like explaining how it connects to the passage. There's so much like more emotional freight and investment that comes to that point, and I think that's where the payoff is.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's the, the the difference between when you do the work to explain the text, um, intellectually, and when you do the work to explain the text uh, experientially in hmm. in the illustration. Um and which is why I talk about like the best illustrations also work as application so that you mm. can do the illustration and apply the point in the same one so that as you come out of it you go oh, I know what the point was and I know the illustration and I know how you apply it because of the illustration and so I'm going to remember the application because I remember the illustration mm. I don't think I I don't think I did that last night not I mean on Friday night but I um but if you can get there, it's, it works well. I was I was reading another, like I was reading a talk today from Alpha, uh, because next Sunday I'm preaching and the church is going through an Alpha course, and the Alpha course will give you the entire script for a talk. And um, because it's just like it's just made for everyone to be able to just adapt and do, I noticed how much more stuff there was to say in there. Than what I would, than what I would normally do. Like I would kind of make my point, illustrate my point, apply my point, and get in and out really quick. Whereas they were like, made the point, short illustration, then quite a lot of like, and here's what this means. You can do this, 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 and this. And uh, and I was like, oh wow, there's a lot there. And mm. um, and I was like, I didn't think it was, I certainly didn't think it was wrong. And I I was like, you know, this is Nikki Gumbel who's writing this talk and he's one of the best communicators and evangelistic communicators that we have. Um, Mm. But it struck me like just like reading it, knowing that I'm going to have to adapt this, how different it is from my style, Um, Mm. which is not, yeah, certainly not, not wrong, just different. Mm.
0: It, it reminds me of something that I first heard from everyone's favorite early 2000s heretic, Rob Bell. Um, uh, but then when I Bell. shared... Um, <laughs> I haven't thought about him in a while, huh? Um, but when I shared that with someone recently, they were like, dude, that, he stole that from Einstein. And so apparently <laughs> this is from Einstein, not from famous heretic Rob Bell. Um, Was it the theory that, of relativity? He, like, um, so it's E... <laughs> equals mc squared which is like as i understand it energy equals mass uh no actually the um the actual thing that i'm referring to because apparently (laughs) einstein like that was his like you know that's the one everyone knows him for but he had others um and one of them (laughs) was that there is simplicity and then there is complexity and then there's the simplicity on the other side of complexity and Mm -hmm. so the idea is there's simplicity where you know, you have not much knowledge and you're, um, you know, when it comes to communicating the gospel, like you just don't know very much. So you explain it simplistically because that's all you've got. Then there's complexity, which is like maybe the first year Bible college student who just needs to show you all of the commentaries that they've read and all of the um things that they know and all the cool things that they've learned. And like you even I fall into that trap sometimes of being like here are the 17 cool things that I've been thinking about. <laughs> but I think what what really effective communicators do is reach that point of the simplicity on the other side of complexity where the the simplicity it's simple but it's not simplistic anymore. It like somehow um picks up and includes all of that complexity and then distills it down into this form that is digestible and simple and sticks with you. Um, I think that not heaps of people seem to know who he is, but Jeff Mannion, have you heard of Jeff Mannion? He was like the minister at Ada Bible Church. I think he is like phenomenal at this. Like you're listening to one of his talks and you're like, this is like so simple, there's not much to it. And then you get to the end of it and you're like, oh my goodness. Like I have just learned so much, but it was so digestible that i barely yeah. even noticed it going into my brain um and i think you do that as well i think you do it differently to him he tells less vomiting stories from the pulpit but what? <laughs> um you most do um but you yeah have this really great capacity to uh you can afford to spend a lot of time on the illustrations because you've done the hard work of distilling the the complexity of the content down into these small things. And it, I I love your style, which very often is like, here is a story. Now here's the point. Now here's the story that illustrates the next point. And it all kind of, um, you know, to the cynical eye that doesn't really get what you're doing, it might look like, oh, he doesn't have that much to say. He's like spending all his time on stories. But like, actually, when you look at what your talks do – they are really doing some like profound explanation of the good news of Jesus, but because it's distilled, you can then use more of your time to tell stories which really are gonna undergird the points that you're making, so yeah, like you said before we started recording that I was allowed to criticize your talk if I thought it was yeah. awful, <laughs> um, but I didn't, I thought it was great, so I just wanted to. <laughs> tell you that speaking of which can we have a sponsor tom yes love a sponsor Uh, so today's episode of the podcast is sponsored by talks that don't suck how to write and give bible talks for teenagers a tremendous (laughs) book by our very own very close friend of the podcast tom french Um, you can pick up a kindle edition of this book for 99 cents if you sign up for tom's mailing list you can get it for free or if you like paper books you can order directly from tom or from amazon or from the wandering bookseller or from kurong and uh if you want to pay the 99 cents for the ebook it's available on amazon apple kobo and nook for all of you nook fans out there yeah um and all the details there are at uh, tomfrance.com dot au highly recommend the book i always feel slightly uncomfortable giving it to my youth (laughs) leaders to read because it does sound like the problem that I'm trying to correct is that their talks suck, which is yes. sometimes, but usually not true. Um, I didn't think so. That anyway, <laughs> recommended resource. I um, actually that reminds me. Really, this is a thing that we can discuss off air. But um, can you send me a few more copies? I'll pay you. Sure. Um, <laughs> but I have a few new youth leaders that I would like to pass it on to. Great. Um, anyway, Tom didn't know I was going to do that, but I was reminded again why tom is one of the people you want to listen to when you are trying to figure out how to give talks i tell are you who you want to listen to
1: too, oh really so you can actually Great. listen to it yeah yeah it would i it just take a look little forward <laughs> to
0: using up a audible credit on that i um was about to say what was i about to say i was about to say that if you want to learn how to give a talk you go to tom french if you want to learn how to run an event you go to other friend of the podcast ruth lee hi because ruth was that not and also um miles was a big part of that organization process hi, miles. as well there was a whole team um but ruth is a great logistica and um yeah we and uh, mike taylor was part of that Miles is part of that, Danny's part of that. I mean, all these people are probably well, I don't want to assume anyone's listening to our podcast. It could just be us. <laughs> but I've heard tell that um there are a few people who listen to the podcast who were hanging out on Friday night with us. And I just want yeah. to give a shout out to I everyone who made it happen because it's one of those things that seems like it just sort of happens. People just come and you find some musicians and you make a thing happen, but it's a lot of work. But I, I think I, to be honest, was a little bit unsure going into this event because the last time we ran it last year was the first time we'd done it. I'd say it was a solid three-star event um, mm. and our youth were not heaps keen and like they just were not, I don't know, like they, they were like, they I think would have preferred to just have a regular night at youth group and so convincing them to come back was a bit of a, an effort I think for some people because it's like yeah we did it last time we didn't really love it and I was like no no we've listened to your feedback it's going to be better um and I was glad to discover that it actually was like I thought it was, it was listen to um, the feedback yeah it was a a really solid event I think there's still you know there's always stuff that you could do better next time. And so hopefully we'll do it again next time and it'll be even better. But I don't like this year I had to give a bit of a push to get uh, youth excited for it. It felt like, Um, but next year I think it'll be an easy sell because of the way that it went this year. Great. Um,
1: I, I felt like as an event, it was like, like it just kind of moved really well, like quite quickly through the, through the program so there wasn't like there wasn't a lot of yeah, dead yeah. time and everything kind of served served its purpose well like hearing from um the MCs who kind of set us up for the night and then we had i think we had songs no we had a game and then we had songs and then we had a um a youth testimony and the youth testimony which i like i really loved listening to that because uh the young woman who shared, she said like I was like, oh, I don't think I need to talk now. Like hearing from young people and hearing them talk about yeah. the gospel and hearing and sometimes my worry with youth testimonies is uh not not like they're a bad thing, but like it worries me because you get the youth up and then you don't know exactly what they're gonna say. And sometimes they say stuff where you're like, I'm not sure if you actually articulated the gospel there, but yeah. uh, <laughs> but this uh this to be this fair though that's
0: she, true with a lot of adults that you put up on stages too that's true so, as well yeah you know
1: um but so, i think sometimes we you know with with adults we like we just pick the ones we know are like oh you're you're pretty safe off you go yeah yeah um but it's often like one of the first times young people get on stage so you don't know mm-hmm. what's going to happen which yeah. is the fun of youth ministry um but but she did a great job and like really clearly articulated what her life was like um before she met Jesus and in a really relatable way, not like she just mm. kind of ticked the boxes of the testimony, um, what it means to find Jesus, how he makes an actual difference in in your life. Um yeah, I was super impressed with that. And then we got to got to have a talk and sing a bit more and some young people responded. That was nice. Mm.
0: The the music was Fantastic. Um, the, the crew from uh, Barney's Broadway just smashed it. It was really good. One of um, our newly arrived year six youth turned to me after the first song and was like, Chris, that was so cool. <laughs> and so she has limited church experience, but like her church experience would not have been that, I don't think. And so, anyway, we won her over in the first five minutes. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and that's the, um, like the great thing about events like that is that you get to like you have these moments where the song, like the music, is really well done. Often, ideally, and just singing with six hundred other other young people, mm-hmm. and everyone's getting into it. It's it it feels great, and it is like it's an emotional experience. Um, but that's not necessarily wrong because we mm-hmm. want people to be like emotionally engaged when they're Mm. singing to Jesus, Mm. Um, especially with his people. Like that's that's a good thing to do. It was
0: interesting. We were sitting up kind of towards the back and behind us there was this little crew of teenage boys who just were there to – like make trouble um like i genuinely a couple of times i was like why are you here like someone's clearly <laughs> dragged you along or whatever and so like when people started singing they like the first slide of the first lyrics came up and they um just like belted them out deliberately at the wrong time and out of key like kind of <laughs> <laughs> mocking the whole thing and then just like the other several hundred voices rose up and entirely drowned them out and no one got mad at them and no one was like you know threatening to take them outside or whatever. They just like gave it up. And I don't know whether they gave it up because they were like, oh no one's listening to us or they gave it up because they were like, oh actually this is kinda good. Um but yeah it it did make me think though about like who how do you manage Like whose responsibility is it to manage a group like that? You know, um, (laughs) if, you know, we're all here, there's 16 youth groups with their leaders, we're all kind of spaced out. Um, Some of my youth were like within earshot of me and others weren't. And so is it the people on the stage's job to manage the crowd? Is it Mm. the people in the seats job to manage the crowd? I think it's kind of everybody's, but I wonder um, whether one thing we could do to um, like, maintain you you know you want the energy but like i think it could have there were points where there were people like having a chat that could have been asked to like knock it off um (laughs) and i think maybe it would be worth us like having like kind of articulating um to the youth groups that come along hey here's what we see as the role of the people sitting with their youth here's what we see as the role of the people up on the stage here's how we can work together um I don't know. Like, I think part of it is just you get that many youth together and there's going to be energy there. But yeah, um, it's interesting trying to think about how you build the culture of an event that's like a once a year event, um, yeah. you know, it, it, which is a different set of challenges to building the culture of a youth group yeah, where and every you know the group. people and you're face to face.
1: Um, every youth group will then will has like a different appetite for or a different level of um tolerance for mm. young people talking during the middle of things, and um, yeah, like I know that I'll be in events where I'll be like, oh man, someone should tell that tell those youth to be quiet. I wouldn't do yeah. it. I'm not going to tell another youth group's youth to be to to stop mm. it unless unless I was like really sure that. You know, nothing was going to happen and needed to be said, or they're involved engaging with my youth group. Um, But because there's all these different cultures, um, what's totally fine for one youth group is Mm. totally not fine for another youth group. It's like when you like families get together and like, why is their kids allowed to do that? We're not. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. Um,
1: But yeah, so maybe like having like clear. Yeah, that clear communication about here's what's expected um, mm. is, is probably helpful. But also, like, for youth, the people running the youth group to communicate that with the youth leaders before the event themselves. Like, say, we're going to go in and uh, it'd be great if we could all make sure we're sitting near our youth or around our youth so mm. that they're they're all within earshot of one of us leaders so that we can look look after them
0: (laughs) yeah and look i'd rather have the big energy than the falling asleep in the chairs energy um and it was just a lot of it was like people happy to see each other and happy to be hanging out with each other and there was a lot of what is really like nice to have at those events which is like oh you go to one of these too i know you from school i know you from like soccer or whatever like there was a Mm. lot of um people recognizing each other from way across the room, which is a nice vibe as well and it just it it was so fantastic to be a part of something that truly was this like great collaboration from a whole bunch of different churches and like across denominations and across kind of different um you know who all had probably slightly different ways of doing things but came to the table and and agreed on a way to do this. Um, and I think it was great for the youth, even, you know, youth in the city who do have like so many resources and so many things available to them to get into a room of that many people and go, Oh, actually there's a lot of us. Like maybe we're not crazy. And I think that's like a huge (laughs) part of the value of something like this is that it's just like, huh, it's not just us and our crew. Um, did you have any, I have one other thing from the night that I am keen to pick your brain about, um, but did you have anything else? I'm just noticing that we are, um, up to minute number 32 of our (laughs) 15 minute podcast.
1: So, um. uh, uh, no, I mean, I, I think just the, the way what I was impressed with was just the way that everybody worked together everyone who was leading it worked together like Mm. i couldn't tell who was really from what church or who was running the thing really i mean Mm. ruth clearly was uh the go-to woman or and miles kind of interacted with me a bit at that same Mm. level but in terms of like actually just getting stuff done everyone Mm. was doing stuff and um it was just really nice to see i enjoyed it
0: yeah, it was definitely Ruth and Miles who were like keeping the ball rolling along, but then there were like a dozen or two dozen like other people who were all doing their bits. Mm. And yeah, it it's great to see that kind of collaboration happening so smoothly and so well even after only having done it one time before this. So Yeah. Yeah, like if this is how it runs and this is, you know, the vibe on the second attempt. Like it's exciting to think about what it could become.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You have to Um, get get people who are even further theologically afield from each other than just Baptists, Presbyterians and Anglicans and see how far you can push it.
0: (laughs) That's pretty broad, Tom. I don't know, you know. (laughs) I don't know if Anglicans are allowed to hang out with anyone beyond that. I mean, even Anglican Baptists hanging out together is a little bit, you know, that'd raise a few eyebrows. Someone did tell um, me there
1: might be a punch up over um, infant baptism and believer baptism, which I like. I did see one or two is that why you can't big punch, punch ups, and uh, yeah, I got very, very uh, opinionated and aggressive about mm. my views on baptism.
0: Mm, that's helpful. Like, that's yes, yeah. good thing to do. Um, youth, they used no, to love that. like. <laughs> You know, getting granular on inter-denominational disputes. Yeah. Big hit with the upcoming generation. They yeah, love especially it. Especially those
1: ones who aren't Christians. They're like, I do mm-hmm. want to be part of this.
0: Oh, it's like arguing like on the internet, but in real life. <laughs> Can't wait to join up. Um, in all seriousness, though, like I'm excited to kind of look at how, like who else we can bring in, you know, who yeah. else we can – Um, invite along. Because I think last year was, well, we'll just have a few of us and we'll kind of run a pilot and see how it works. And this year we are like, oh no, let's just invite everybody. Um, But I think, yeah, there are other people who just weren't, whose youth groups weren't like friends of friends of ours who I think would really benefit from something like this. So hopefully we can keep on expanding. Um, My last thing that I wanted to talk to you about, and you know, I kind of flagged this last episode was the, uh, the kind of altar call yes. moment. <laughs> and I'm keen to hear your thoughts on um, that kind of stuff in general. And also what you thought of the way that that ended up happening on Friday night.
1: Yeah. So I, I, I suspect we're going to disagree on this one at least. So that'll, that'll make it very fun mm. podcast. So I'm I'm quite happy to do a an altar call where there's some kind of physical response. And mm-hmm. um, so what I will normally do when I do if I get to choose any way to do it, then I will say um I'm, at the beginning I tell people I'm gonna tell them the gospel and I want them to think about it. And then At the end I say, I say what does this mean if you're a Christian? And then I say, What does this mean if you're not a Christian? You need to become a Christian. And then I say, I'm gonna say a prayer, and I want you to pray this with me. Then I run through the prayer so that people hear the prayer before they say the prayer so that they're not, you know, like it would just be a little bit, you know, you you don't want to trick people into things as much Mm. as possible. You you make that clear what's gonna happen. And then I pray the prayer, and then and then what I do is I tell people to keep their eyes closed and I ask them to put their hand up to say they've said the prayer. And that is normally a sign, like, partly for them to make some kind of physical response. Mm. Um, and it's an opportunity for the youth leaders to have a look. And so I say, we're going to keep our eyes closed. Your youth leaders might have a look and see who's putting their hand up, but mm. otherwise we're keeping our eyes closed. Um and sometimes we leave it at that and say, "If you put up your hand, we'd love you to go talk to someone." but I know mm. that that so rarely happens um, mm. and or people might say, "Oh yeah, I made that decision, but um and and it can be a really meaningful decision, but either they forget about it or they act on it, but it's you know there's, the response can be a bit hit and miss on that one, so then mm. I say, if you're comfortable." What I'd love you to do is do one more thing. During this next song, we're going to sing a song. I want you to come down the front and someone's going to pray with you and chat to you. Or go up the back and someone's going to chat to you and mm. pray with you. And I say you don't have to do it. No one's forcing you to do it. Um, we're not going to come and track you down and so say you put up your hand, you have to go out. But I say we'd love you to do it because for the rest of your life, you're going to have to stand up for Jesus. So here's an opportunity for you to stand up now and go and do something brave uh and and talk to someone so that they can tell you what it means to follow Jesus and then it gives those people who are uh their leaders or um or me maybe I'll go and chat to them but we get a chance to run through the gospel again say this is what it means and this is what you should do now these are the next steps that you should take um mm. and i think it just makes it a really, like a more meaningful uh response time because they actually get to do it like i mm. i don't i don't want to manipulate people into anything but i also don't want people to go away at not but And I also don't want people to go away uh, uh, vague about whether or not they responded or not or thinking maybe that was a thing or I didn't do it or whatever. Anyway, they're my Mm. thoughts. And
0: See, I love
1: that, and I love it
0: particularly because of the careful way you frame it. Like I loved on Friday when at the start of the talk you were like, hey, so at the end of this talk I'm going to invite you to like make a response. So I just wanted to give you the heads up because that like that takes away all sense of like pulling a shifty on anybody. It's just like, yeah. you know, this is what we're about. We Like we want to encourage you to think about this and then to act on it. So full disclosure, we are going to invite you to give your life to Jesus tonight, you know. And I also like the way that as you articulated it all there, that like it still incorporates that opportunity to uh give an embodied response like to make an embodied response to go talk to someone to go do that and I think yeah that I think it's a fine line between um the danger of just having an emotional moment and like you're responding to the like emotionality of what's happening but on the flip side, like it is legitimate to feel emotional about this stuff, and it yeah. is legitimate to want to, like, actually take a stand, seize that moment, and do something. But I think again, like we talked earlier about, like the needles you thread when you're doing this stuff, and I think this is another one of those that you want to, um, you want to give people the opportunities, but you want to frame it in a way that is. Giving people options, it's giving people the information that they need to like make a decision that is, uh, like informed by the things that we want it to be informed by. Um, and I think the other thing too is like the context that it's happening in. And so the feedback that some of our youth had last time. Was that the go up the back thing felt just like we just got here? We got here an hour ago. I invited (laughs) my friends to this thing, and now you're inviting them to like go up the back and meet with like who knows who. Yeah. And it just like our youth were very. And I understand the desire to do it, but our youth were like, I don't like this and I don't want to invite my friends to a thing where this is going to happen. Whereas I feel like if it had been framed as carefully as you just did and if the kind of uh, like uh, kind of, signals and signs that you'd given them along the way that kind of like, Oh, this is what's going to happen. And you know, if it had just been a bit more clearly and thoughtfully articulated, I think this stuff is all in the nuance, like whether it is a great idea or a terrible idea is not in like, if you do it, but how you do it.
1: Yeah. 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 I think, um, what we did on Friday night, we had, you could go up the back to respond and you could ask questions, but you could also fill out a card. um, and there are a few different options that you had on the card, and then one of the things that, one of the issues I think we had was that there were less cards than available than there sh- than well, I think there were, there were less more, cards than more young people, people showed up
0: than we thought. Yeah, yes,
1: uh, which is a great problem to have, but it meant that when I was there talking, I said, "Here's how to fill up your card," also pass your cards around if you're a leader and you've got a spare one. Also, you can leave. And it was a little kind of less focused than uh, mm. than it could have been. And I probably, if I'd thought about it a bit more, I probably could have figured out how to frame it a bit better so that it was mm. more focused. Um, and, yeah, but I think if I if I could have redone it, I would push for one or the other, that we do the cards mm. or we go at the back, but we don't do both. <laughs> yeah and how then, do you feel about cards um i I think they're like they're good in that they're like they're like, a low um there's low confrontation in a card like you can sit yeah. there and fill it out, and if you don't want to go and talk to a strange person, which I fully understand um then filling out a card is great, and then someone has to follow you up rather than you have to follow them up like you don't have to go and talk to a leader, the leader can't mm-hmm. come and talk to you. Um, and so in terms of removing the friction between what you want to do and uh, what decision you want to make, or you have made and having someone help you along the way, they're really good for that. Um, but the, I think sometimes the the downside is that you don't know if people are going to follow them up, um, or you don't like sometimes the cards like it can be because there's a gap between when the card gets filled out and when it gets passed on to the leader and then when the leader figures out how to follow them up or when to follow them up um mm. like that gap can be a bit too big or it might never get bridged um so i feel like that's one of the danger of card one of the dangers of cards um if you particularly if you don't have uh youth uh youth ministry that's really good at that kind of follow up um yeah they're, they're my thoughts they
0: they also feel kind of clinical to me like especially you know if you're someone who has made some kind of response and it's like if you have made the most profound and life-changing decision of your entire existence the thing that is going to shift the face of your eternity once and for all tick box c you know it just is <laughs> a bit and i get it like it's it's information gathering It it comes from a place of like wanting to uh you know give especially at a big event like that give the people on the ground week to week information that's going to be helpful to them but i just i don't know i don't think there's any perfect system because i think like that like systems are by their nature imperfect you know the the actual best thing is like making things as deeply relational as possible and having <laughs> people you know having mentors and people around all of our youth who are going to be able to um you know like not have to see this thing on a card because people are in dialogue but that's a very idealistic view and so what yeah. do you do pragmatically i don't know like i think i have mixed feelings about i have strong negative feelings about like go up the back stuff that's done poorly i have strong positive feelings about go up the back stuff that's done well. And I have medium to large feelings about all of that murky Mm. space in the middle. So um, I think we split the difference in a way on Friday that was like helpful, but like with all the caveats that
1: you said. Yeah. I think if I had to become a Christian today in an event like that, I would choose a card over going down the front or up the back Mm. Um, because of my personality. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think I say that knowing that, um, well, that's, I, assuming that I'm going to, someone's actually going to come follow me up. But if I mm. fill out a card and I was going to become a Christian, I filled out a card and no one followed me up, I might be like, oh, well, maybe that's not a thing. Yeah.
0: Um. Yeah. Whereas I, you know, for all of my wariness about, the potential for emotional manipulation or whatever, I would 100% want to go up the back and, you know, have the, you know, the music and the um, <laughs> the prayer and the tears and the emotional thing. Because, yeah. you know, despite the fact that on the surface we are just the same person in two different typefaces, um, yeah. we are actually <laughs> quite different in the the, like, engine's, on the inside so (laughs) anyway um any further thoughts as we round the corner on uh 45 minutes
1: no just what what a pleasure it is to hang out with a bunch of young people and switched on Mm. youth leaders and to get to talk about jesus and everyone to be there uh to help young people know jesus better that's a real privilege
0: The thing that I I went away from at the end of it was, man, I wish there was more time for, like, mingling. Like, if we um, could somehow expand this out into a Saturday Mm. that had, um, like, that thing that you get at a conference or whatever where you've got the session and then you've got some time to just hang out and then you've got another session and then maybe you wrap it up. Like, it could just be a one-day thing. But I think – the youth were really enjoying at the beginning and at the end kind of milling around running into people chatting it it would have been nice to have a bit more space for that um that you can't do everything but yeah. maybe that's a thing to think about moving forward um anyway thanks for coming it was oh, great
1: thank you i had a great time thanks for inviting me <laughs> um
0: well, you are a very good friend of the podcast, so I, I felt like that was good to do. um, we both have i assume regular weeks at youth group um next week but this does this feel no. to you like a oh you don't
1: no well, like I've got well it's youth group, but it's being run by the youth. The youth are running the whole thing, so it's not that regular. they're doing the talk oh, great they're the games are doing the m c It's great. I'm really excited for it, cool. I'm looking forward to hearing about that next week. Um, we have
0: Crime Scene Investigation Night, which <laughs> is another one where the broad theme seemed good, um, and now we have to figure out what it is. So we'll see. Um, but, look, we can talk about all that next week. You know what Any? you
1: need, you need what stacks need? of cash. Stacks of oh, cash. Oh, look at it.
0: Look at that. Look at those uh, Benjamin's yeah. um, listeners. I know this is a uh, an audio medium, but Thomas just waved around mm, a large 000. stack of fake American currency. Wow, 30,000 isn't that much.
1: Well, that's Yeah, that's 10,000. Here's 30,000. You ready? Yeah. It's not that much,
0: but yeah. It's like Here's a handful of bills.
1: $30,000. Not a
0: duffel bag full of bills. That's no, still pretty good. That though. duffel
1: bag's not going to be, it's going to be a brown paper bag. Rather than Mm. a duffel bag, it'll be like a Mm. like a bribery bribery at the RSL rather than a you know big drug bust kind of thing. Yeah. Well.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know what crime scene investigation night is going to be, but one thing I do know is that I impulse bought some crime scene tape and a police officer costume. (laughs) So whatever happens, it's going to include that. Um. Anyway. Do you know what done? would be good to do at some point oh. as, as a holiday special? Yeah, And then, right. yeah, we're done because is, this, is, <laughs> this is our longest one. and We don't even have a guest. Um, uh, to get, like, Miles and Ruth and co, like, some of the people who organized the event and kind of chat with them mm. about, you know, what they thought was great, what they thought was, like, areas for improvement how it all works like i think it it what we're doing even though we're still kind of fumbling our way through i think is like the beginnings of a really great model and i think that for people listening from further afield than the inner west of sydney um could be useful maybe another holiday special
1: oh i love it i love it do
0: it all right um is it time for some music tom it's uh
1: all ready to go you should be hearing it great
0: Oh, well, thank you for listening to Chris and Tom's Youth Group Podcast. If you have anything to share with us, you can email us at Chris and Tom's Youth Group Podcast at gmail.com. Um, or you can go to tomfrench.com.au to buy that book or
1: his many others.
0: Or yeah, go to ChrisMoffie.com
1: because there's books there too. That's true. Yeah, yeah there he is.
0: Nail it again.